Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is brought to you by CDI Managed Services, that's Computer Design and Integration in our Managed Services group, who outsources IT solutions, infrastructure support, and cloud computing. I'm Dominic Rainey, and I'll be the host of today's show. Uh, Nicole Tuktosh, my co-host, is uh, off today. So have a great day, Nicole. Uh, today we've got three great business leaders uh, in the studio. First, we'll be speaking with Greg Mooney. He is the president of Leadership Max in Swanee, Georgia. And also we'll be talking with Preeti Maini. Maini, pretty okay. Maini, pretty Maini, and she is a manager of information management at Deloitte Consulting. And last but not least, we'll be talking with John Gallagher. John is the owner or CEO of Promo Shop, the the Promo Shop located in Cumming, Georgia. Thank you all for being with us today, taking the time out of your busy schedules. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to hearing your stories. Uh, we'll be talking with Greg first. So, Greg, why don't you kick things off and? and let us know a little bit about Leadership Max and what you guys do there. Yeah, uh, this company I started just uh, three years ago um, at the, at the, after a career of 30 years in engineering and construction. Uh, it, leadership has always been my passion, so I decided to do this for the rest of my days. Uh, so now I am full-time executive coach, speaker, and uh, trainer in leadership. Okay, great, great. So that's quite a career, Greg. Uh, Greg. I mean, uh, and John Maxwell is certainly a great direction to, to, to take people down. And uh, uh, so are, are there certain certifications for people in, in your industry and in, in your position? Uh, some people are coaches but don't have certifications. I, I believe the most professional coaches that you find will actually have training and certification um, as well as a, a other business provisions like liability insurance and things of that nature. So it's very easy to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm a coach, but it's a very different thing to actually have training and professional development in that arena. Hmm. So uh, I'm curious, uh, are are leaders born or or developed? Um, I think you got last year's question. Um, Leaders, um, you know, a lot of people think leaders are born, but actually they're not. For example, there might be some people who have individual talents or traits that are um, useful for great leadership. However, um, you'll find that the greatest leaders continue to develop over time. So you've seen, I'm sure you've seen people who have natural talents, more or less, and what you find is they tend to rely on those natural talents and don't think they need to continue to grow. So the best leaders are actually made and not born over time. Excellent, excellent. So what's the most difficult part of leadership development? Uh, The most difficult part um, is leading yourself. The easiest part is leading those who report to you. They pretty much have to do what you tell them to do. Uh, If they want to stay working there and get a raise, et cetera, they have to do what you say. That's called leadership by position. Uh, But we all know supervisors who are not very good leaders, right? So the next level of leadership is leading your peers. Uh, They have to give you permission to lead them because they don't have to do what you say. 
the next level is leading your superiors. Now, most people don't realize you actually can lead your su supervisor. You can lead your superiors. They have to give you permission to do it, and usually that's based on your expertise and uh, your ability to deliver, and they will defer to those who can do that. The hardest level of leadership, though, is to lead yourself. Uh, it has to come first, though, because you have to be able to lead yourself to lead others. If you're not going to follow yourself, why should anybody else? If you're not unable to lead yourself, why should anyone else accept your leadership? And so people think, well, uh, why should they follow you if you can't even uh, lead yourself and follow yourself? Mm, okay. So uh, <coughs> in the John Maxwell program, um, you know, what do your certifications actually mean in, in terms of what you're accomplishing today? Um, the certifications basically mean that you have undertaken and completed a series of training programs, uh, especially in coaching, but also in public speaking um, and, in, and in leadership programs. Okay. All right. So what's the most difficult part of uh, leadership development? Is there uh, a certain, you know, type of, uh, of situation that's more difficult than others or, or or, or well, again, I, I, again, I think it's leading yourself. Yes, there's always difficult people to deal with, but even if you ask John Maxwell today, he'll tell you the hardest thing throughout his life in leadership is leading himself. And what do you mean by that, actually? Well, the first responsibility of a leader is to have a plan for personal growth, for lifetime personal growth, and to follow that plan. If you don't grow, you don't have much to offer people over time. If I know four things... I can teach you those four things in a relatively short order, and then I've got nothing left. I've got nothing more to give you. So if I don't keep growing, I don't have anything to continue to add value to you. You can't give what people what you don't have. Mm -hmm. So to add value to other people over time, you have to continue to grow yourself. Uh, and, and at the core of this is intentional living. Uh, the, the intentional living is the number one priority to achieve success and significance. Well, what is intentional living, Greg? It's the subject of this newest book by John Maxwell, just released last week, October 6th, week and a half ago. And to live intentionally, you have to do three things. You have to be, first, you have to be deliberate. You have to think things through. You have to consider what you want in life and what you're willing to do to achieve it and weigh those things very carefully, being deliberate in the things that you plan and do. Second, you have to be consistent. Um, to do those things that you were deliberate about every day, day in and day out. And this achieves a compounding effect over time, and that's how all real growth is achieved. There's nothing you cannot achieve without this approach, with this approach. Mm -hmm. And third, you have to be willful uh, to make a choice to lead your life. You know, most people don't lead their lives. They live their lives. Mm -hmm. They don't lead their life. They don't make rational decisions and follow those decisions. They live by default and not by design. And so the goal of intentional living is to live by design, is to plan your life and, and then design your life and then follow through and do that. And that's what intentional living is, is all about. So in layman's terms, it's a little more proactive thinking than reactive. Very much so. Oh, that's great. Great advice. Uh, we're talking with Greg Mooney. He is the president of Leadership Max here locally in uh, Swanee, Georgia. And uh, so intentional living, there's a... Uh, I guess expectations. Uh, uh, if you if you perform and do the things you've been talking about uh, intentionally, planning and living your life, uh, what are some of the great benefits come out of that? Yeah, there's a few really key benefits. Um, the first one is that intentional living is the best way to improve your life. 
it's the surest way to increase your chance of success. And the one main reason that's true is because it moves you from good intentions to taking actions. You know, we all have good intentions, but, but intentions don't achieve anything. So a small intentional act is much more important than a huge great intention that never turns into action. So, you know, we all know people who are always getting ready to get ready and they never actually uh, take the step forward. Okay. A second value is that intentional living teaches you the value of front-end thinking. You were talking about this a minute ago and call it proactive. Uh, front-end thinking is worth about 10 times what a back-end thinking is worth. You know, most people experience life and then they stop and they think, well, what happened there? Why did that happen? How did that happen? What can I do about that? And that's good. Reflective thinking is a good thing. But it's only about 10% of the value of thinking in advance, of planning for all those events and planning through them and what I'll need to achieve them and be successful mm -hmm. and following through on that. Okay. Um, third, it teaches you to make every day count. Uh, John Wooden, the great UCLA coach, said uh, his, his motto was, make every day your masterpiece. You give 100% every day. And he said, if you give less than 100% in any one day, then you can never make that up. It's lost forever. If you give 60% one day, you can't give 140 the next. It's not possible. So you give 100% each and every day. And lastly, it, it allows you to make changes one step at a time. You, allow, you can choose an area of focus uh, for intentional living, and that can be, for example, personal growth. Um, you can address your attitude, your relationships with people individually or, or uh, in whole. Uh, your purpose in life or or achieving significance mm -hmm. and focus on that area mm -hmm. and i'm sure you know just uh thinking about it myself if you uh, and i met a young man one time and i asked him you know how his uh, business career was going and he started telling where he would you know what his plans were and he had it all mapped out it was surprising to me this young guy he was right out of college and uh I was actually pretty surprised uh, mm -hmm. to run into an individual like yes. that. It's it's refreshing, and uh, and you actually stand out. You know, you really do stand out uh, uh, above above the crowd. People notice you when your mm -hmm. your thoughts yes. are very clear and defined. So uh, I just liken that story to what as you were talking about it. Yes. Um, so how do you uh, you guys uh, provide those programs? Do you do seminars? Do you do uh, training? Do you, you know, do it through written material? How does someone get plugged in? Well, the best way, you know, there's a number of ways to do this. Uh, of course, a lot of people read books, and, and the great thing to do would be to get John's new book, Intentional Living. And it is a great book, but, but most people uh, reading a book by itself is not life-changing. Uh, how many books have you read over the years and, and nothing came of it later? It's on your shelf and you vaguely remember reading the book, but it didn't really change your life. Uh, another thing you can do is go to events. Um, and, and also, events can be a great thing. They can raise awareness and you can be inspired. But, but those things kind of dissolve over a short period if you don't follow through with them. Uh, but great events can be a good thing. There's a there's a event specifically on intentional living coming up uh, at the Forsyth Conference Center on October 30th. And if anybody's interested in that, you can get tickets at uh, L2L Atlanta North Metro dot Eventbrite dot com. 
uh, for right now, for the next week or so, you can get that ticket for $69, and that's a world-class leadership event. Mm -hmm. But again, that's an event, a great thing, but may not lead to life changes. Uh, Research shows that it takes about 30 days to change a habit or to break an old habit to build a new habit. So what you need to do is to get in a program that walks you through a process of living intentionally in a specific area for 30 days. If you really want to change something and grow in that specific area. And that's what we do as coaches. We work with individuals uh, and help them identify those areas to focus on and help them make that specific change in their life and work with them closely over that period until that gets done. Okay. Uh, so I, that's what I do is I help people develop a program to cross this ground and to build the ability to achieve that change in their life. We're talking with Greg Mooney. He is the president of Leadership Max. And uh, great stuff, Greg. Uh, again, that seminar, what is, what is that called? It's called uh, Live to Lead. Live to Lead. It's an annual uh, half-day leadership seminar that John produces. And as, a, as an executive coach in his system, I have a license to present that seminar, host it, and I'm doing that on Friday, October 30th. Uh, other speakers at that will include Patrick Lencioni, who's a very famous leadership author. Uh, and his most famous book is called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. He speaks on corporate uh, advantage due to the culture in an organization. Uh, and a black female leadership coach, uh, Valerie Burton, and she is, she is dynamite. So it's a half day of great, great speakers and teaching on leadership. Well, that's, if you want to get plugged in, that's the place to be on uh, October 30th. I can, I can see that. So uh, any parting words, Greg, other than uh, letting our listeners know how to reach you and um, get more information about your leadership program? Yeah, the, the best way to reach me is uh, greg at leadershipmaxllc.com, greg at leadershipmaxllc.com, uh, or by phone at 770-361-9100. That's not a general Number that is my personal cell phone number seven seven zero three six one ninety one hundred. I know personal I'm a touch. I'm a brave soul, <laughs> um, but yeah, please give me a call and we can uh, design a program for you. Especially a brave soul if you're doing business around the country and uh, you know that's all hours of the day. That's right. That's great. Availability is the key. Exposure and availability. That's great. Thank you, Greg. Thank excellent, you. Excellent information. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. And next up, we've got Pretty Maini. Mm-hmm. Maini, excuse me, I'm tongue-tied to this. Pretty Maini. Pretty Maini. Yeah. Maini. Pretty Maini. Thank you. Uh, she's with Deloitte Consulting. She is a manager of information management. So tell us uh, all about your company and information management and what you guys do there, Pretty. Sure, um, definitely, you know, so I work for Deloitte Consulting, as you said, and I'm a manager in the information management practice. Um, um, I am from the Deloitte Consulting practice, and what we basically do is that uh, we help, we partner with our clients, and we help them resolve their very unique business challenges, and uh, we help them emerge with success stories. So that's what we do in a nutshell. <laughs> well, many people, business leaders especially, are familiar with Deloitte. Um, yes. Uh, and I guess it used to be Deloitte Touche, right? Right. And, uh, is that still, or is it just Deloitte Consulting? It is, uh, it is Deloitte and Touche is still there, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm part of Deloitte Consulting, LLP. Okay. All right. Excellent. So uh, tell us about your background 
and your, exper- your experiences, your expertise, and uh, what brought you into the world of Deloitte Consulting. Sure. So, you know, I grew up in India, and um, uh, I guess I got my first uh, touch with technology when I worked as an intern for Hero Group of Industries. And uh, I spent an year with Hero Group of Industries in Gurgaon, India. And right after that, I was picked up by IBM. And uh, since then, um, you know, my career has just been on a roll. Um, My very first project with IBM took me to Australia, where I was working on the world's largest SAP implementation project. And uh, this very first global project, uh, it was very formative. Um, It not only gave me exposure to an end-to-end implementation project or an end-to-end transformational project, but it also gave me a new opportunity to be able to work with and learn from a very diverse team. Uh, Also, while I was there in Australia, I got to travel throughout Australia. And that kind of planted a bit of the travel bug in me. Uh, So after leaving Australia, I started my journey in the U.S. I was hired on a project in Los Angeles, California. And uh, until then, I was working for IBM. I spent four years with them. And uh, throughout the span, I was promoted twice. Uh, A little later, I was able to find this great consulting opportunity with Deloitte. And uh, again, you know, since then, life has been on a roll. Uh, At Deloitte, I've had the opportunity to work with a large number of our premier clients, uh, mostly in the information management space and business intelligence. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has been a very rewarding experience. Um, Not only have I been able to help our clients with their business issues, I've also experienced growth and changes. And, you know, it has in turn helped me in my journey to management. Well, wow, that's that's a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. That's, that's excellent. So, uh, with the kinds of clients that you work with, Preeti, um, what are some of the challenges for these uh, premier clients, mm-hmm. if you would? Everyone has a challenge, but are there certain things that stand out with uh, top tier clients? Sure. Like you know, as I said, I get to work with a lot of our premier clients, and um, you know, a typical project of ours consists of a business suite implementation, and it also consists. You know, we also look at the company's reporting, their analytics, how they are consolidating their reports. You know, any kind of planning and forecasting processes they follow. And uh, for most of the companies that we work for, what we see is that from a business perspective, uh, their top challenges include having very disintegrated and inconsistent business processes. Uh, We typically see that uh, clients don't have a consistent central master data. They don't have a global chart of accounts. And as a result of that, they're not able to do easy reporting. From a reporting standpoint, we usually see that these clients have very inadequate uh, reporting capabilities. So self-service reporting is almost minimal. Uh, You know, most report generation requires manual intervention. And what that does is that business decision makers don't have timely information to make their decisions. Mm. Uh, We also very typically see that reporting is not enterprise-wide. So it's strange, but it's true that every department is pulling its own report and people in the same company are looking at different numbers. Um, 
from a pure technology standpoint, what we typically see is that our clients have a very fragmented system landscape. You know, they have multiple technologies, multiple tools in play, and we see redundant data everywhere. So, you know, from that standpoint, we end up seeing a lot and, you know, like a wide variety of challenges with our clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that perspective, I think our products are very transformational. Well, you tend to think that the level of client is, uh, you know, totally has their act together, you know. And, yes, uh, you tend to think and that. You tend to think that until you really get to know the inside uh, of, a, of a large organization, True. right? Yes. And there's a lot of room for improvement. There's and, a lot uh, of room for improvement mm-hmm. for all our top clients. And, you know, as businesses grow, as you have more mergers and acquisitions, uh, business processes get complex. And with the complexity comes, you know, so many different technologies in play and, you know, the uh, the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. So, you know, that is what really leads to all these challenges. Mm-hmm. Pretty Manny, she is the uh, Manager of Information Management at Deloitte Consulting and here on Silver Lining in the Cloud this morning. So um, what are some of the projects that uh, you can implement that uh, will make a difference for your clients? Great question. Uh, so... Dom, what we basically do, you know, as part of a typical project, we do a wide variety of projects, right, from assessments to just pure advisory projects to real implementations. And, um, you know, a typical project that we do, what what we really do is when we go to a client, we try to find out what are this client's core issues. And then, as you know, after we look at the core issues, we basically come with business and technology solutions. So, you know, we really help our clients with very unique, very customized solutions. And, you know, just to throw out some examples so you can relate to the kind of work we do. uh, Very recently, we helped a large insurance company to redesign and simplify their expense allocations process. And as a result of that, what this company was able to do is that they actually now had visibility into what their cost drivers were. And they were able to improve their the accountability of their departmental heads because, uh, you know, people knew who was spending where, what and why. Uh, another great example that comes to my mind is that I worked on this project where we implemented an analytics solution for a multinational restaurant chain and we were able to help them increase their sales all by giving them insights into the performance of the individual brands the performance of the individual restaurants and the performance of the individual products and you know another very very rewarding experience that i would like to share is uh, you know when we were able to help this child support enforcement agency to not only increase their child support enforcement compliance ratios, but also improve their collections. And we did this, how? By just creating a predictive analytics solution for them that was purely based on the historical data that the company already had. So, you know, really overall, what we basically do is we partner with our clients and we look at the unique challenges and then we work through solutions hand in hand. Oh, that's a that's a pretty diverse client uh, oh, yes. base. 
and uh, and the service and the and the result is 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 varied quite quite quite. It's a bit very as well. rewarding. So it must be very interesting, rather than you know the same cookie cutter. Oh yes, it's very interesting, very mm-hmm. challenging. And what the role does uh, Preeti play in uh, in these uh, projects? Sure. And challenges. Yeah. So you know, as a business intelligence manager, I'm really responsible for uh, the entire business intelligence and analytics implementation. I usually um, come into the project at the end of the visioning stage and I work with the key stakeholders to make sure that we have the major objectives of the project outlined. And from there onwards, I'm responsible for the end-to-end solution. I'm responsible for the full oversight of quality assurance. I'm responsible for just about all aspects of environment, whether it's data sourcing, whether it's migration, design, development, implementation. I usually also build and manage a team. And depending upon the size of the project and the scope, uh, it ranges between five and 20 people. So I'd say in a nutshell, you know, my role is a combination of project management and business intelligence architecture. And, you know, I'm responsible for the end-to-end solution. I'm responsible for all the deliverables. I'm responsible for managing the team. And ultimately making sure that we deliver the project successfully on time and within budget. Wow. Do you like holding the bag for all that? Well. The bottom, it looks like the, bo- <laughs> the buck stops with pretty. It does. And, uh, well, I do. I have to admit it's scary. Uh, and uh, that's because, um, you know, we have to take a lot of things into consideration when we do these projects. So we have to make sure that we don't miss anything, that we've covered just about everything. And uh, for that, you have to be extremely organized. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, obviously, through my years at Deloitte, uh, you know, I've watched our leaders uh, on how they manage projects an awful lot. Um, In fact, there are a lot of women in the firm who have done so, so well, you know, they're extremely organized. Their project plans are meticulous. Uh, they don't miss deadlines. Um, <laughs> they keep their teams motivated. They keep a close eye on the project budget and schedule, and they actively work through project risks and issues. So I try to keep a similar approach. And, uh, you know, because the business intelligence thread basically ends with me, I have to make sure that I've not missed anything and there are no gaps. So I'm very meticulous when it comes to requirement analysis and tracking and just make sure that, you know, we have a solution for every problem. Wow. Have you, have you actually, you know, and, I, and I'm, I, I, I get it. I mm-hmm. think women are a little more detail oriented. Oh, well. You know, I think, uh, you know, analyzing, doing those kind of things is probably better Yeah, suited. I think I have to agree to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would think so. So uh, is your... You know, when when you look at uh, you know what you do, uh, there's got to be a lot of uh, delegated authority. Let's mm-hmm. say, uh, is that what keeps you up at night, uh, wondering if people are going to do what they're supposed to do, or have they done everything, or you know, uh, how uh, how does that come into play in, ter- in your world in terms right. of being responsible for all? Of that? Yes. So yeah, delegation of work is very important, and I think as you uh, you know grow grow in your career and move up the ranks, it becomes even more important. Um, Is it hard to do? Is it hard to delegate? uh, Well, I would say, um, I have to admit, it was a bit challenging for me personally. And uh, the reason it was challenging uh, is, I hate to say this, but, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. 
I'm type A person. I need to know everything that's going on. And with a lot of the projects that we do, there is a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. There is, um, you know, a lot of custom development. There's a lot of functional spec writing, a lot of technical spec writing. And um, uh, so, you know, as you very well said, you know, as you grow, you have to start delegating. So what you really have to do in that case is that you have to start empowering your people. You have to start mentoring your people. You have to start coaching your team. And you have to trust them. That's most important. Mm. So I think, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in the last few years is professional development. Coach your team, empower your team, mentor your team, and trust them to be in charge of certain areas so you you personally don't have to be in the weeds, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, you know, I'm a very hands-on manager. And what I like to do is that I like to continue to monitor without constantly intervening and I keep open communication and I give constructive feedback as needed but I have to admit you know it it was uh, quite a challenging transition for me. Hmm. Pretty money on uh, Del- with Deloitte uh, Consulting Group information management and uh, she's got a lot of experience in that corporate world. So some of the strategies that you use for personal growth, uh, I know uh, Greg's probably chomping at the bit here to Mm -hmm. ask you a thousand questions and interact with you. You guys should have coffee after the show. So, um, you know, what what are some of the strategies you use, Pretty? Sure. Um, Well, I guess, you know, um, being proactive and uh, just saying that I want to do this goes a long way. Um, you know, I hate to toot my own horn, but um, I'm very well known at Deloitte for taking on the toughest of challenges, whether it's a cutting edge technology project or a client situation that's gone bad. Uh, you know, I always jump in. I always volunteer. And fortunately, I have been able to bring projects back on track and I have been able to turn around bad client situations. So, you know, that kind of thing goes a long way in saying that you're the kind of person who can get work done. Uh, Another thing that I like to do often is that I like to take a 360 view of what people think of me. And I think it's very, very important when you think about your personal brand. Um, You want to know what your clients think about you. You want to know what your colleagues think about you. And uh, it does help you work on your blind spots. That's hard to do. I mean, and it's hard for, it, do people actually get the true um, input? And uh, mm-hmm. uh, when you, when you, uh, whatever you, however you do it with yeah. exploring those avenues of getting feedback from people, do they actually open up? Do you find that if you give them a chance, they do open up or is there still some limita- limitations? There? I think I have been very fortunate that way. You know, I have a lot of mentors within the firm, uh, male and female. And, uh, you know, typically the feedback that I get, you know, what I find is they are very, very direct with me. And I like it that way. You know, I like it. I don't want any sugar coating. I want to know what my improvement areas are. And I think that these kind of mentoring relationships have actually exposed me to some of the areas which you wouldn't necessarily get exposed to, uh, you know, unless you were in the senior management or partner director level. So I think I've been very fortunate that way. And, you know, I have had a lot of help from within the firm. So I guess it's if it comes from you, 
you know, it's a good thing to, uh, you know, as a as a directive. But if your boss says, uh, I want you to get some feedback from your people, that might uh, be a different kind of question, right? A different kind of inference. In, in well, situation. I think it's important for just about everyone to get. We should do it. Every Everybody should do yeah. it. I highly it's recommend healthy. that. It's, it's healthy very healthy. Have an open, open environment. I agree. Uh, that's great, great information. So, uh, you know, what is the most, uh, you know, important thing in your career? What types of things, you know, do you have to do? What do you like most about what you do in your career? Hmm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think um, what I most enjoy about what I do is, you know, the kind of exposure that I get when I first walk in into a client situation and the kind of problems I get to solve. Right. A lot of the problems that we end up solving are actually very, very complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, just to, you know, give an example, just from a systems integration perspective, we end up dealing with a large number of legacy systems and a large number of customer facing systems. So we have to be very careful with our design and methodology. And I think another thing that the firm has taught me is structure, you know, how to truly run projects successfully. And, um, you know, we have a lot of accelerators and templates within the firm that come in handy when we do these complex projects. Another thing that I think I really enjoy is the people aspect. You know, just within the last seven years, I've met, I don't know how many consultants and how many clients. And the best part of it is that you're always working with the best of the best. Hmm. And, uh, you know, especially with our clients, we work with their top people. And these are very smart people. They constantly challenge you. So you're always learning. And I think that's like the best part of being a consultant. Oh, okay. Yeah, excellent. Is it easier at the top dealing with uh, top-tier people? Uh, than I it is to struggle through, you know, the, the maze of mid- mid-management? Right. I, I wouldn't say that it's easier, but I think it's a different hat to wear. So it's a different perspective that you want to have. Mm-hmm. And it's a different skill set. You can size the situation up pretty quickly, right. I'm gathering. Uh, yeah. And they're, and they're, you wouldn't be there if they didn't um, want that, want your input and your help. So they probably are welcoming you uh, into, the, into the fold. Mm-hmm. That's great. So what does the future look like for uh, you and your organization? Yeah. So at this point in time, you know, I'm looking forward to senior to being senior manager pretty soon and uh, with senior management comes sales um, so you know some of my focus areas in the next few years are going to be building my external eminence and uh, making sure that I have a strong network internally and externally and you know as I said before uh, since I have a lot of mentors you know I'm already getting exposure to a lot of things that senior managers and partners and directors do on a day-to-day basis um, but, you know, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the best thing is that, you know, just with the kind of programs we have within the firm, you know, they really, really focus on making sure that you are ready. And uh, the kind of mentoring relationships we have, it's great because, you know, these are partners, directors, senior managers uh, taking time out of their day to make sure that someone like me is meeting their goals. I'm, you know, my metrics are on schedule and that I'm meeting my targets. So I think I have a lot of support within the firm and I'm very, very fortunate um, for that. So Preeti, what, with all your experience, what, what, what advice would you give to other women and, and young, young ladies that are looking to have a similar career? Well, I would say um, don't be afraid to step up and follow your dreams 
if there's something you want to do, just do it. Don't let anything hold you back. And uh, once you get there, lead by example. Never stop learning. You know, we're never going to know everything. Uh, but, you know, absolutely stand by everything that you believe in. So never compromise on your values and integrity. Okay, thank you. That's great advice. Pretty money on uh, silver lining in the cloud. Uh, what's the best way for people to look at your company, get in touch with you and uh, get well, you know, plugged they, in? They can go to our website, www.deloitte.com, or they can shoot me an email, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Pretty. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. And uh, our next guest, last but not least, is John Gallagher. He is uh, with the Promo Shop here in uh, Cumming, Georgia. John, tell us about the Promo Shop and uh, what you guys are doing. Well, good morning. Um, we are a promotional marketing firm. We provide... Uh, promotional products and customized apparel uh, that really enhance companies' awareness of their products and services with the intent that they would ultimately gain more business and, and market share mm -hmm. using these promotional items, branded products. So um, a lot of products, no question, right? Uh, uh, more than you can imagine. I kind of know the game from all the events that, that we attend ourselves, and people definitely look for those products. And uh, how, do you, how do you decide how many and which ones and, you know, where to go with, uh, with the products? Uh, good question. We try to categorize the products. Uh, currently, we have a little over 7,000 products on our website. There's ultimately there's 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 hundreds of thousands of products you can choose. Mm -hmm. uh, we look for the items that are going to be the best value from a marketing standpoint for a business that's going to satisfy their needs. Okay. Uh, so is it? Uh, how did you get started in this business, John? Well, back uh, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, back in '82, when the space shuttle first went up, I was looking for a way to uh, provide a product uh, that would be a, a renewable item. In, with regards to people having to get it every year, and that would be a calendar. So I contacted the company that placed the uh, camera on board the space shuttle, and we worked out an arrangement where I purchased uh, copies of the negatives of the pictures that were taken on the shuttle. And I actually brought with me the original prototype of the calendar that we did back in, uh, back in 82 for the 83 season. Wow. And these were actual photographs that were taken on the space shuttle. Uh, and around there, and uh, we we marketed that that product back then. I didn't even know this industry existed when I was doing this. <laughs> Isn't that something? What's that calendar worth today? Uh, probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I still have copies of the negatives. Isn't that fantastic? Wow. And then back in and then uh, later on uh, in the mid '90s, I had uh, this is kind of a unique uh, proposition. We uh, we were approached by uh, the Atlanta Rowing Club, which I'm, I'm actually a member of since the mid '80s. And they had saw the unique uh, uh, marketing and, and merchandising ability that I had. And they uh, have a one-year event, one-time-a-year one event. Uh, it's called the Head of the Hooch. If you're from Atlanta, you're mm -hmm. familiar with the Hooch, the yeah, Chattahoochee River. Yeah. And uh, they had a one-time-a-year fundraiser uh, for, the, for the group. And the board came to me and wanted to put together uh, merchandising uh, to raise funds for, for the club. Well, in the over 25 years that I've been there, we've uh, increased the uh, the merchandising sales by over 20-fold. 
they have actually grown the the uh, the event to the second largest of its kind in the country. It's so big we had to move it out of Georgia off the Chattahoochee River, and now it's up in Chattanooga. Uh, but that has been a real uh, windfall profit for them. Uh, we were so creative actually in uh, in designing logos and and items for them that I recommended to them that we go ahead and trademark four of those logos that we designed for them, which is what we did on our own. So these are, kind of, these are some of the things that kind of set us apart from our competition. Hmm. Uh, most of the competition who I'm very friendly with uh, locally, good people. Uh, a lot of them are just there to you know, get the order done and, and move on to the next, the next order. What we want to do is really become a, more of a partner a creative partner, so that uh, they are getting the best value for their company, their brand, their awareness. Mm-hmm. That'll hopefully make their company grow. How much time does it take to kind of figure it out? You know, for a company is uh, you know depending on I guess what you're looking at doing, what they want to accomplish with particular events and things like that. You know, and I guess mm-hmm. the employee side of it that's kind of a twofold question. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the there's the marketing uh, uh, material. And then there's the employee side, you know, which uh, is also is, is a big thing today. You know, talk well, about that. Unfortunately, in our industry, we're on the, the, the back end of a slinky uh, end of, uh, of the business. Most companies will, uh, when, especially if they're going to go to a trade show, the first thing they want to do is make sure that they have their brand set. You know, the, the logo is, is up to date. Do they have uh, all of the, everything uh, designed for the trade show event? Uh, the last thing that they'll do, and usually it's a few days before the event, they'll get a, a brainstorm idea and say it would be nice to have something to hand out <laughs> two days before the event. And then there we are, you know, doing a Chinese fire drill, trying to get something for them as quickly <laughs> as possible. But we're set up for that, actually, which is, believe it or not. You, we, you're, you're like, Greg, you're, Greg, you're proactive in your thinking. You know it's coming, right? We know it's coming, and unfortunately, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a recurring problem. So, so we, we had to adapt to that and to make sure that we could uh, we could account for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best examples we have uh, is uh, uh, a brand name uh, Fortune One Thousand company that's a retail operation that everybody would know if I mentioned the name. Uh, the vice president called me on a Friday morning who I knew personally, and uh, he asked me, he said that we never had done any embroidered apparel for him before, but he had a uh, regional meeting with all his regional managers in Florida the next day and wanted to know if there was anything he could do for, for, to, to provide pr- shirts for these folks. So I said we could do it. We uh, actually took their logo off the website. We actually created the digitized embroidery design that afternoon, sent it to him for approval, embroidered the shirts that night, and delivered to them personally on Friday night. Uh, that's uh, that's pretty good service. That's uh, the best. <laughs> that's the best service. Can't say we're going to do this all the time, every time, but uh, that's wow. kind of Well, he, he knew who reaction. to call. Obviously, he knew you well, and he knew he knew who to call. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's a great story. I love it. I love it. So I can envision you up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning ironing and stitching <laughs> and well, my employees you know, did, did a great job on that. So uh, why do businesses consider, uh, you know, using promotional items? Is it just kind of the thing to do or, you know, where is, is it is strictly marketing or what? Well, it is marketing. It's, it's two things. It's, it's, it's awareness of a company's products and services. It's, it's brand awareness. Mm-hmm. And the second thing, it's, it's hopefully what it does is it, it connects 
with uh, the per the recipient of the product so that they they will think of you before they think of anyone else and ultimately would leave to to more sales so they what these company what these companies really need to be looking at is is a product that's going to blend in with their brand uh, to pick the wrong item just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that's exactly where I was going. What uh, seems like uh, companies make mistakes, and it's costly, right? They do. A lot of companies will, especially at trade shows, they'll say, "Well, we need to get something, so let's just let's just provide something to hand out." Right, and a pen is is pretty much standard. A uh, good example is we had a company that uh, they actually make the looming machines that make carpet, floor mm. carpet. Mm-hmm. They have a very finite uh, customer base of Absolutely. manufacturers. Yeah. They were handing out a relatively inexpensive plastic pen, and they were selling machines that started at $5 million and went up to $20 million. Oh. So we went in there, and we provided them uh, recommended, and they wound up going for these braided steel, heavy-duty uh, metal pens, brass pens, that we actually laser engraved their logo on. That was something that showed the the kind of value and the and and the what they what they were into it from a business. They were providing big machinery, and this was a big heavy duty pen that you know really kind of pictured what what their business was about. Boy, I can relate to that. You know, I went to a golf event for a veterans uh, uh, event that was uh, Vietnam vets, and uh, the pens they handed out were made from bullet casings. And it was very, very crafted and very well done. It was very tasteful. But it left an imaginable impression, you know, rather than just taking a pen like I'm holding here and putting your, you know, Vietnam vets on it. It was a bullet casing. It was was like brass, and it was real high quality. I mean, I'll never forget that. And and that's what you want to do. You want to find something that's going to correlate to your business, your products, Mm -hmm. your services, Mm -hmm. so that you'll get that top-of-mind awareness long-term to come. And I'm getting the feeling that John Gallagher is the guy to call it the the promo shop in uh, coming because um, you you really do care. You you take the time to really get to know the, the, the people you're working with and figure it out for them. Right. We want to we really want to be more of a, a combination consultant, but a part of your your team, mm-hmm. because if you succeed as a business, then we have succeeded. We don't succeed by just selling you something. We succeed by you achieving whatever goal it is you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Introduce a new product. Create more market share. Have something that's uh, that creates top-of-mind awareness for a long time to come with their salespeople to leave behind with their clients. John, give us, a, give us an example of uh, you know, how a promotional item can be used for... Uh for uh, achieving those goals. I know you've got a lot of stories. I mean, uh, where it really, what stands out in, in your world? Gosh, there's so many. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know. Right. There was a company that uh, wanted to um, create a, uh, an effect where they, you know, let's, let's bring everything to the open, to the outdoors. And uh, so what we tried to do was uh, come up with something that would be outdoors, where they were outdoor camping chairs. And so we put their logo on the outside of the camping chairs, and this was you know, to create that outdoor effect. Uh, but we, we have so many different uh, businesses that have so many different ideas. What we'll do is we'll sit and talk to them. We, we really want to ask them 20 questions. You know, mm-hmm. We want to ask them as many questions as we can to find out what their business is about. We'll even go on their website, do some homework in advance before we meet with them to try to find out a little bit more about 
their culture mm-hmm. and then go in and talk to them about what it is they're really trying to achieve. Yeah, and it, and it pays off, right? It in, does. In, it really does. Ba- it pays pay- off for them. Yeah, it really it's for does. Them. It's mm-hmm. all about them. That's, that's excellent. I mean, it's a real learning process here for me to get the. You know, the, the idea going into it is here's here's another guy, you know, he's got a lot of products and, uh, you know, he's going to want me to buy some and, and, <laughs> and hand them out, right? I'm not getting that impression from you. No. Well, that's because we, we do really look to the creative side of things. And we want to think outside the box a little bit so that we come up with some unique unique items that mm-hmm. most people wouldn't think about. Uh, and that's and that's really that's what separates really us from just, I guess, the average order takers. Are there reasons not to use promotional products? Have you ever told somebody it's not for you? Yes, for a couple of <laughs> it's reasons. It's hard to say no. Yes. Well, it is. Uh, but again, we don't want them to waste their money. Mm-hmm. If they're just going to buy something just for the sake of handing it out, that's not necessarily the right reason to buy something. Mm-hmm. If you're going to buy something that has no relationship to what your company does, then that makes no sense either. Uh, and if they're going to do it last minute on the spur, then that's really not, especially if they're going to do a rebranding. If they're going to do a rebranding, uh, then the, we don't want to use their old logo, their old design. And then a month later, then they're going to change their brand because now you're confusing the customer a little bit as well. Okay. What's the future look like for the promo shop? Any uh, upcoming, any major changes in the business or uh, directions or anything like that? Well, uh, we have a commercial embroidery shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we do our embroidery work in-house, uh, which is mo- the majority of our our uh Competitors don't don't do that, mm-hmm. so we we, we have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, control, quality. right? Control, quality control. Uh, all of our artwork is done in house as well. Uh, we actually uh, do a lot of the we do all the sew outs. We actually uh, take pictures, scan them in, send them to the uh, to the clients for approval prior to sewing on anything. Mm-hmm. In our industry, there's no erasing. You know <laughs> what you do is permanent, so it's got to be done right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of proofing on things. Uh-huh. So the, the detail again. I'm hearing detail from everybody. This Very is great much. leadership stuff here. Um, what? Uh, tell us, uh, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you, John, uh, and your company, the Promo Shop. And I love your your logo on your shirt. It's very nice, very snappy. Great, thanks. Yeah. It's uh, they can go to our website. It's www.thepromoshop.com. And they can also email me if they want to directly. It's John, J-O-H-N, at thepromoshop.com. Excellent. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services, where we talk with business leaders uh, about business, business to business. And we've had some great thought leadership uh, this morning on the show. Thank you again to our guest, Greg Mooney, the president of Leadership Max. And he's the uh, upcoming event here on October 30th uh, in Pretty uh, Manny, uh, the manager of information management at Deloitte Consulting, and John Gallagher, the owner of uh, the promo shop here in Cor- uh, Cumming, Georgia. We appreciate all that you guys do in your business and for the local community uh, and employing people and everything that goes along with uh, the entrepreneurial spirit. On behalf of our sponsor, CDI Managed Services, I'm Dominic Rainey, and it's been a pleasure to, to host today's show. To listening to listen to this show and other silver, silver lining and abroad in the cloud broadcast, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to outsourcing your IT or putting you in the cloud, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud.